Hi everyone and welcome to the Virtual Cafe. It's me, your host, Shagulala Salami, and this is the Shagulala Salami Show. And today is a really lovely day in London. It, October is almost um, at an end. We're soon going to be turning the clocks back and it is a nice sunny day, right? I'm not a Exactly right. So my little human is just repeating after me that it's a nice sunny day. Are you going to say hello, everyone? Hi, everyone. How are you, everyone? How are you, everyone? Fabulous. Right. So who have I got here with me? Who, who have I got here today? Oh, what this is? This is Leah Lindemann, and I am from Canada. I wrote my first novel about two years ago. I've got four kids of my own, and I'm working on my second one right now. Hi, Leah. How are you? I'm doing really well. How about you? We are very, very well, right? And normally at this point, I'll be asking you what you're going to drink, but I'm going to tell you a story, right, that happened Ooh. yesterday, because, you know, I do like telling stories, right? So yesterday morning, you know, um, we were just messing around. Well, we're not messing around, you know, I was just doing stuff. And my little human, she then goes to me, so she's got this Rasta Mouse teddy bear, right? And then she goes, oh, there's a spider. It's a really scary spider. And I said to her, but you're a lioness, you're a dragon. What does a lion say? Rawr! Come on, show people what, how, what the lion says. Go on. What does the lion say? Rawr! Exactly. So I'm like, the spider is only an itsy bitsy spider, right? Like, why would you be scared of a spider? So you know what you're going to do? You're going to go and roar at the spider so the spider can run away. And she was like, no, it's such a, it, it's a really scary spider. So I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> I went to look around, didn't see anything. So I thought, yeah, okay, fine. The spider's gone away. And then so fast forward to the end of the day, you know, it was just like, you know, I think around seven something, you know, it was just last minute look around with her Rastamel's teddy um, before she went to bed. So I was doing something, so then I went to look at her, she was standing by the corner, and I was like, what's wrong? And she goes, oh, it's a scary spider. And so there I was, right, rolling my eyes in my head thinking, Seriously, I was, and then I did the whole thing. You're a lioness, okay? You should roar at the spider, right? The spider's the spider is only it's a bitsy, right? It's going to run away. And she goes, No, it's a scary spider. So I went to Rasta Mouse again, right? I went to Rasta Mouse again, and I looked around Rasta Mouse. I didn't see the spider. Then I decided I was going to turn Rasta Mouse over so I can say to her, look, there's no spider, right? And then when I turned, when I turned the spider, when I turned the spider, only the most humongous, uh, when I turned Rasta Mouse, only the most humongous spider jumped out, right? And I flew across my living room so the door was going to lead me outside. Then I remembered, oh wait, I actually have a child in the living room. <laughs> and I know right that you know the spider is no longer is definitely not as big as what you will find in Australia or possibly in some part of the United States. But for London it was quite big, right? And I have to applaud all those women or all those parents that actually remember their child their children in times of danger because well I was literally opening the door, escaping for dear life, before I remembered, oh wait, actually, my child is in that house. And I thought, okay, should I torch my house down? 
But then I thought, I can't actually become homeless because I tried to kill the spider by torching my house down, right? <laughs> yeah, so that was literally it. And then we found, I got the hoover out and I was thinking, this spider is really, you know, and it was really big and it was really black and he was like, I dare you, woman. What are you going to do? You know, and it was literally staying on Rastam. I was looking at me like, if you dare come near me, I will jump on your face and I will just do a Spider-Man karate move on you right now, right? So, we managed to put it in a box and chuck the box out the window. But then I was like, so what, our, our, our soundtrack yesterday was do, 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 spider killers. So we have a fearless spider killers. Well, we threw it out the window, but yes. Anyway, so I just had to tell someone about it because I think it would be quite embarrassing to go and say to any of my friends that, yes, I almost abandoned my child running away from a spider yesterday. So. <laughs> well, that was a very humane way to do it, put it in the box and outside. <laughs> well, the spider actually jumped, you know, when I used the hoover to knock it, it fell into the box where her ball was. So I was like, there's no way in hell I'm going to put my hand into that box to get the ball out. So we found this empty cereal box, covered the spider in it, and just chucked it out the window. Because I'm like, yeah, that is the best. Because if I tried to go anywhere near that spider, it was literally just going, it's probably going to be like a mutant spider, right? It's just going to sp spin webs around me and then just use this spider. <laughs> anyway, let's go wrong with my overactive imagination. So what can I get you today? Ooh, um, I will go for a, do you guys have Starbucks there in London? We actually do, right? Do. But I've got a very futuristic thing, Star Trek, right? So my, my virtual cafe is kind of like a Star Trek spaceship, right? You know one of those ones where you have this button, right? Mm -hmm. And you just press it, and anything you can imagine comes out of it. Okay. So anything you can, whatever you imagine, you're literally limited by your imagination. So anything you want, you can have it in my virtual cafe. Okay, well, I'm going to get a caramel frappuccino. Okay. That, that sounds easy enough. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> what else would you like? Ooh, can I get a fruit explosion muffin to go with that? Well, the good thing is, you know, as, as, as I said, it's a futuristic spaceship, you know, <laughs> coffee vending machine thingy, right? I don't even know what need to know what to... Is it fruit explosion muffin? That's right. <laughs> it's yeah. a muffin with all different kinds of fruits in it. <laughs> oh. Well, we'll get that for you. Little human, go and get the drink, please. Little human, kitchen, please. Okay? Thank you. Good. So she's going to get it. So whilst, you know, while she's going to get the drinks and your futuristic muffin fruit explosion, um, tell me a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, I first started writing when I was about 16. And... Um, after that, I took some correspondence courses with the Institute for Children's Literature in Connecticut. And once I graduated with honors from that, I came up with the idea to write my first novel. And that was based on the Halifax Explosion. I only heard about the Halifax Explosion of 1917 uh, about 12 years ago. And basically what happened is two ships collided on the home front in Halifax during World War I, and the whole city was leveled because one of the ships was a munitions ship. And because I thought it was such a big part of Canadian history and I hadn't heard of it before, I felt like I needed to tell a story to go with that. And so I started writing kind of over six years. It took me six years to 
put together my first book, write it, rewrite it, do the edits, format it, and then finally, finally publish it. And I had three kids while I was doing that. And now I'm working on my second novel, and I have my fourth child who was born July 22nd. So I'm a very busy mom, but I'm also working at my passion because this is what I love to do. That sounds really amazing, though. So I just have to ask you the question, right? Because, you know, I think having one child is, you know, is hard enough. How were you able to do it, you know, juggle, write it, and motherhood, especially when you had three kids and now four kids, you know? Because seriously, you're like my woman crush Wednesday, even though it's not Wednesday today. But, you know, okay. you're like superwoman. How did you do it? How, how possible is it, you know, to juggle motherhood and a career together, you know, especially uh, uh, as a, a writing career? Yeah, well, there's a lot of different factors, I believe. Um, but first, I'm going to kind of go with the short timeline. I started writing the first three chapters of my novel before I had my first child. And then I was finishing up high school, and I got married when I was 18, and then I had my first child at 19. So that was kind of my little break, getting married, having my first child. And then after I had my first child, I decided I need to finish this. This is something I'm really passionate about. So then over the rest of the book, all the rights and edits and all that, I had number two and number three. I think one of the greatest factors I could say is that I put my kids on a schedule. So instead of demand feeding them, I fed them on a schedule. And their nap times were on a schedule, their feeding times were on a schedule. And because I could kind of tell when they were going to be feeding, when they were going to be napping, I took my afternoons. And when they were napping, that's when I was writing. So I would probably write for about an hour or two. And I've just been doing that consistently for the last four years. If I can't get it done in the afternoon, then I will do my hardest to write it in the evening. But it's kind of harder for me in the evening just because my brain is kind of dying. I've been so busy during the day. So that's why afternoon is my best time. But for me, it's not so much finding the time to write because if you try to find the time to write, you're not going to find the time to write. It's making the time to write. And if you're truly passionate about your art, or whatever you're doing, you're going to make the time for it. Okay, see, now I think, you know, your children are amazing, right? Because most children, and my child is not excluded, she does not do well with, you know, with a schedule. Because, you know, even some days when I'm thinking, right, we need to go somewhere, and I'll make sure that we're trying, we're aiming to leave the house an hour and a half before we were due to go. And just before you're out the door, then someone realizes that actually, no, I want to have something else. Or she remembers, actually, you know what? I need to really right now, or I need to do something. So that schedule just does not work for me. How did you make the schedule work for you? Oh, well, I literally started from day one. As soon as they were born, they were on a feeding schedule, they were on a sleeping schedule. And it just worked. I just kind of kept to it. Now, sometimes it was hard to do just because they cry, but they were all fed. They were all changed. They just wanted to be with me. But sometimes I just had to let them cry, and they eventually got the idea of the schedule. Um, but I think only one of my kids had a harder time. The rest of them just took to it right away. So I guess it does depend on your kid. But whether you have kids, whether you have an intensely – um, busy job, <clears throat> just making the time to write, even if it's five minutes a day, even if it's 10 minutes a day. I have a lot of friends who ask me, how do you find the time to write? And they don't have kids, but they're busy in other areas of their life. And I just tell them, just write 
whatever you can during that day. Even if it's just five, 10 minutes, it doesn't matter. At least you're getting five, 10 minutes ahead. And um, yeah, that's, that's my advice to anybody who wants to write and who's busy with life in general. Wow. Okay. Well, I guess it definitely does make sense, you know, just do it rather than, you know, because I was reading something the other day about um, a Vietnamese um, author and he had this magical idea because he was a professor and he had this magical idea that, <clears throat> that, you know, if only he had the time, he could do, you know, eight hours worth of writing, right? Um, and then when he then got the opportunity to do so, he then realized that he could not ride for eight hours straight. Mm. That he just said it just was not even working for him, um, even though he had, and then, you know, and he said he had this overinflated sense of his ability to write or his ability as an author. I can't remember his name now, but apparently he's a, is a, an award-winning author. Um, but I saw it recently on, on Medium. Um, so, I mean, okay. Maybe I should learn from me. 10 tips to manage, to juggle motherhood and a writing career. Because I just go by, I just played by ear, you know. She's yeah. asleep, fine, we'll do work then. She's not asleep, fine, you know. Um, I tried to sort of, because I found that, you know, scheduling just does not work, you know, with us. And we try to not be late. And such would, we've been, we've been successful in the sense that we're only ever five minutes late, which is... Not bad, you know, considering how What's much. That? Yeah, you know, considering that, you know, when we're about to go out the door and then someone that decides, no, I want to do this instead or I want to do that instead. And you're literally like, oh, and then you're literally, you know, almost dragging. So it's like, please hurry up. Let's walk quickly because we're running late <laughs> and you're doing all that thing. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. And you, you know, sounding like a crazy person even before you started your day, you know. So, you know, give me 10 tips, you know, of how you've managed, apart from your scheduling. Um, how that you've been able to use to manage juggling motherhood and a career? Ooh, 10 tips. Okay. Um, always get the sleep that you need. Take a nap if you need it. Sleep helps great. It's just great for you. Um, also, I have a great family support system. I've got family down the road. I've got my parents, so they're always very eager to take care of the kids. But um, if you don't have that support system, maybe connect with someone who's in the same boat as you. They have kids, you have kids, you're both busy, but you'd like some time to yourself. So then maybe you could work that out between you that you could take care of their kids for a day or for a few hours and they can do vice versa for you. So there's that tip. Um, as I said, just make that time five, 10 minutes a day just to write. And it doesn't matter when it is, I guess just whenever you have inspiration or whenever you have an idea. Um, Another idea is when you're at the desk and you just don't feel like writing, but that's the time you have for writing. Tell you just to start writing, even though you don't feel that initial inspiration, because it will come. Trust me, I have that problem. That's my problem. I get to my desk, I'll have the time to write. And then I'll either waste it by just humming and hawing over what I'm supposed to do or how I'm supposed to start it, but that um, I just have to jump into it. And then and avoid Facebook as well. That's my problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Facebook. And also, that's it. Part of self-publishing is you have to manage your own media too, right? So I guess what helps with the media side, I guess this is tip number five, I think. 
Yeah. Um, I count as well, uh, but we quote tip number five. I have all the apps on my phone. So I have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I've got LinkedIn. I've got my emails. So just to have the apps on my phone too. So if ever, you know, some media opportunity comes out when I'm out of the house, then it's right on my phone. I could do it right away or if not in the next five, ten minutes. So that's another tip just to kind of keep up with your marketing. Um, what else with kids? Uh, yeah, I guess just giving your kids some quiet time during the day too. So if they don't nap anymore, this is maybe for older kids. What I do with my older kids is I tell them to go for an hour and have quiet time. So their quiet time consists of just being in their room, playing with Lego for my son or my daughter. She'll play with her horses and her Barbies. And that's the hour of quiet time that they have. And then my youngest are sleeping. So that time I'll take myself so it's just finding whatever works for you whatever your situation is just to find the time not find the time sorry make the time to I'm sorry, can I just your kids have quiet time that's my right child. I do quiet time with <laughs> so you say, my child has never had a nap in her life during the day apart from when she was a baby from when she turned one she refused to have a nap during the day unless yeah. she's at nursery at home nap what is that that does not exist she would rather yeah. use that time to play and it's like if you say would you want to have a nap it's like you're punishing her oh no <laughs> well for my older kids as they said they don't nap right so their quiet time as they said consists of playing alone in their bedroom so they can't play with each other they need some downtime just to be by themselves and that's what they do they kind of go in their separate bedrooms and they play or they color but quietly so the people or the little kids who are resting and napping they get to have their nap in a quiet um quiet hours so that's what i do yeah so that's what point six, or is that still point five? I think that's point six. The oh, the quiet time was point six. Uh, what else can I say? Um, just having a supportive spouse. I also am married, so my spouse, my husband, is very supportive of what I do and my passion. So he helps out a lot. So. I guess that kind of goes with tip number one to find someone who's supportive, but that's helpful. Um, yeah. What else do I do? Um, yeah, I don't have a lot of, I guess, techniques. I just kind of use my basic techniques, and then I just apply them to different times of the day whenever I can. So and, quick question, though. Yes. Did you or do you have, you know, an idea about – um, marketing, because I know you mentioned, you know, sort of, you know, keep on top of your um, social media and marketing. Because when I wrote my first book, right, I had yes. zero idea about marketing or marketing a book, you know, because I thought, right, that once you click publish, right, or you click submit and your book becomes live on Amazon, you know, people are just going to automatically discover your book and people are just going to automatically start ordering it, ordering it. And within 24 hours, you know, you're going to make your first million. That was what I thought. <laughs> Okay. So, yeah. You know, and so you know, you've started. You've written your first book, and you seem to be quite knowledgeable um, about you know marketing. You know, how did you how did you get all that information? How did you know about it? Yeah. No, that's yeah. that's a very good point. So once I finished writing my book, this is about four years, or not four years, but three years ago. Um, I was trying to decide whether I wanted to be self-published or traditional publishing. So those two concepts, I guess, have different connotations with them. And so I thought traditional publishing meant I just submit my book, they take my book, and then I don't have to do anything. I just write. 
Um, but that also was a false idea because the more I looked into marketing, so I decided, okay, I start, I need to start looking into marketing, especially if I'm going to self-publish my book. And I just kind of looked up online what I could find. And one of my greatest resources has been the PR hound, the publicity hound. This is Joan Stewart. So she was one of the first PR people I came across that just came up with tips very easily. She has blog posts on uh, pitching versus a query letter and just all these different ways, how to pitch agents, how to go self-publishing, what to do with marketing. She is a treasure trove of resources. So I... Quick question. Quick question. At what point in your... um journey did you consider marketing was that before you published your first book or afterwards so that was before it was a whole year before it actually came out i was studying marketing i was ah. studying marketing so as i said the publicity hound and then just other people there's also joanne penn she is a very uh, successful self-published author she is also traditionally published with other books and i also looked up a lot of her stuff so just going online, finding who these market leaders are, and then just reading all their blog posts and trying to uh, implement what you've learned from them really helped. And now I find that a lot of the things I read, I, it's kind of basic. Now I know I've, I've used these things, and now I'm just finding that I need to go deeper for things that are more relevant to me and my journey right now. But those are really great places to start. No, that's 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 quite amazing, and I think you've got you've had the added benefit of studying marketing to know that you needed to start, you know, at the beginning rather than at the end. Because with my first book, you know, I started, you know, researching marketing tips, you know, after I'd hit published and it was available, and I was quite deflated when I didn't make my first millions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but okay, no, you definitely listed some good tips, you know, on you know on how to juggle motherhood and you know a writing girl or, or any yeah. kind of career as well because like you said you know you do definitely need to have you know um, a support network and even if you know it's not your immediate family you know and I've seen on Facebook groups you know some people say you know what do you want to do a share you know or a child care share um, just like you know you've just you know described you know where you're like okay I'll look after your kids this day if you look after my kids you know another day and you know that kind of just helps to give you free time especially in London where the cost of childcare is is ridiculously expensive um, oh my good lord seriously right it is London is possibly if I'm not mistaken is one of the most expensive cities in the world to live in um, I haven't checked the recent stats but I think is it like in the top five most expensive countries uh, most expensive cities in the world to live in and childcare in London is just as expensive as one's rent. Mm. So you can imagine if you're paying your rent, let's say your rent is a thousand pounds and you're paying a thousand pounds for childcare. That's even before you've done anything, right? And a thousand pounds a thousand pounds is actually on the cheap side. On average it's about one thousand five hundred pounds um, in London. And then obviously there are people like, you know, um, Princess Kate, you know, who I'm sure, <laughs> we're not even going to imagine what her, her childcare costs are, but you get what I mean, you know, it's sort of averages from that, that amount, so it's quite expensive, so, you know, it's basically being able to use your support network to help you get some free time, um, 
to do it. So, you know, yes, it is possible. Um, like myself, you know, um, I can survive on little to no sleep. Um, you know, people ask me how you can survive. So when my daughter is asleep, you know, um, I'll fall asleep with them. So let's say I know she's going to wake up at eight o'clock. I will then get up at six o'clock and then that's when my brain is fresh. I can just get on and then I will start doing my own writing or do my own promotions or doing my emails or anything. So it's just those few hours before she wakes up um, that I use to then sort of start my own day. Um, I try to keep a bit of sanity and not feel like I'm continuously um, overworked. So I don't do social media on my phone. I only do it exclusively on my laptop because I just think I need to have a bit of time. If not, I'm just going, my brain will never have any downtime um, yeah. if I'm constantly on social media and out and about. And so I, I get emails on my phone, but I don't, I turned off notifications. So it's only when I choose to check that I will see an email as opposed to getting notifications that there is an email that makes me stop whatever I'm doing to try and, you know, action it. Um, <clears throat> So that's why I, I turn off notifications and I don't do social media. So I only do it exclusively. But then I think the best bit that I found is automation, especially when it comes to social media, right? Mm. Automation is amazing. So someone said to me, oh, um, Shagalala, how are you able to do, 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 do? I thought you were doing something. I was like, yes, that's because I, you know, I pre-schedule things, you know? So I don't need to be there at a particular time in front of my computer, you know, every single minute, you know, I just pre-schedule things so that it will go out whilst I'm actually having a life and, you know, running after someone who's refusing to be cooperative at a particular time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so being a mom, you know, it definitely is hard work, but I think it is doable, you know, and I give you kudos for going around, you know, doing it four times. Um, yeah, I think you're, you're an exceptionally brave woman. Um, Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> are you seriously? Because just with one, right? I've got lots of gray hair, right? And I think, I just think, oh my good Lord, what's happened to me? Why do I have so much gray hair and I have just one child? Oh, no. <laughs> well, you know, I did start young too, so maybe that helps. <laughs> Because I had my Sorry, first so child at 19. Ah, right. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm 25. So <laughs> maybe that helps. I don't know. <laughs> Possibly, but I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's a it's an age thing. Um, you know, because again, you know, these days more and more people are starting um later. You know, I think I've seen a couple of posts, you know, where they said they started in their forties. And yes, you probably don't have as much energy, but I yeah. think your body just takes as much, you know, as much battering um as as a younger woman's um body. But any final tips, you know, you would give people listening? Um, because I feel like kicking people out. Yeah. Uh yeah. So for sure, as we kind of touched on, do um some marketing research before you put your book out your book out. That's really important. Um, because then you can already start marketing your book even before it's published and you can get people excited about it and then people are looking forward to it. So then once it actually comes out in print or ebook, then that way it's ready for them. They're all hyped up and then they're, you probably have a better reaction from them to actually buy your book. Um, so that's definitely one thing. Also, just take care of yourself. That's super important. And then just make the time to write. And as for me, you know, it differs from the way you do it. And that's great. Everybody has a different way of doing it. Everybody has different lives. 
different pains, different joys. But I think that's what's great about our differences is we can come together and we can support each other in this way. And find, yeah, support group, whether it's local, whether it's online, and uh, just keep those brain juices flowing. Um, oh, another thing is have a notebook with you. So if ever you're out or even your phone, a lot of people have notes on their phone. You can, if some inspiration comes to you, but you don't have your computer, you're not ready to write, just jot it down that, that way you're ready to start on it when you do get to your computer at home or a piece of paper. So yeah, those are my, those are my thoughts on what it's like to juggle motherhood and self-publishing. And it's doable. When there's a will, there's a way. You just make the way. No, that's, that's truly amazing. So remind us again, what's your book called? You know, this book that you managed to do whilst raising three kids, now four kids. You know, that's what's right. this book called again? So it's called Redeemed from the Ashes, and it's set during the Halifax explosion of 1917. Um, just a quick note, this book is actually part of a whole series that I'm working on. And the whole series, each book is based in a different province of Canada during a certain historical time period. So it's all historical fiction. So my next book, which I'm working on, is based in British Columbia, and that's during the gold rush of 1860s and 70s that happened there. Fabulous, fabulous. And if people want to connect with you, um, possibly get, you know, it's like the motherhood support group. Um, how, do they, how can they get in touch with you? Sure. Uh, well, I have Facebook. It's Facebook slash Leah T. Lind, L-I-N-D. I have my Twitter handle, Leah T. Lind, as well. And then I have my actual website. That's leahlindeman.wordpress.com. Fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. I think that's everything today. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. Now let's call the little human to say bye, everyone. Come, darling, come say bye, everyone. Because she's been really good. Bye, everyone. Awesome. <laughs> okay, bye. Go on. bye, everyone, again. Bye, everyone. Good girl. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening in today. And I hope you've had as much fun as I have, you know, chatting with the lovely um, Leah and just learning how she's been able to raise, you know, four children, um, still continuing to raise four children um, whilst, you know, doing her writing and trying to grow her career as as an author. Um, well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, and thank you, Leah, for stopping by our virtual cafe. And thank you for having me. My pleasure. And everyone, until next time, see you later on the Shagilala Salami Show. Bye now. Bye. Bye.